This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, what up? We back with another episode of You Can't Guard Me. Uh, thank you again for all the support you guys are giving me per usual, man. Uh, the fact that you guys keep listening is why I keep doing it. A uh, little bit less content now due to the fact that you know Michigan sports aren't really playing. Uh, outside of baseball, shout out to the baseball team. Uh, kind of freaked me out the other day when they were playing Creighton. And they are up 7-4 with like three hours to go. And Creighton just went and ham sandwich and uh, pretty much ruined my night. And then... Then the next day, uh, watch baseball take down Creighton pretty easily. Um, so shout out to them. But in terms of basketball and football, this is usually the slower months during the summertime. Gearing up for the football season, uh, I'm going to have some content out there for you guys. Don't worry about that. Um, whether it's information on um, on Michigan or the opponents. or you know, I'm going to try, try to have... Uh, uh, I guess come on uh, at least once a week um, just to talk about football and where we're standing. So going to jump right into it. As you guys know, I do one take of this. I don't do that stop editing stuff. I just, I just, I just don't. I don't edit. I don't know what this sounds like. Uh, uh, when I'm done, I post. So I'm going to post this as soon as I'm done. I don't listen to myself. I should. I probably should, but I don't know. I just don't. I know what I said. I just hope it uh, just hope it comes through clearly on your side. So we're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to talk about a little bit of the NBA draft, a little bit of Game of Thrones, and a little bit of uh, Juwan Howard and the staff that he's uh, putting together and where I kind of see them being when it comes to style of play since nobody knows since you know he's a first time head coach so i'm going to throw in some guesstimations and uh we'll kind of go about it like that not going to have a mailbag today sorry you guys um a little bit under the weather like i'm kind of feeling weird like my throat scratchy i think it's the uh the temperature shift and it's really getting to me i'm not sure if it's allergies or not but um, a little sick-ish, kind of, sort of, but, uh, I'm going to power through this. So, NBA draft first, um, towards the end of, of the season, uh, there was one guy who was between, you know, late first, early second, mid-second, that was, um, that was, uh, Iggy Brzezakis. So, I think, I th- I'm pretty sure his stock has dropped since. So he's probably going to be a mid-second to late-second, maybe undrafted. Um, he's a bit older, so a lot of people are like, hey, he left, and you know, why'd he leave? He's basically leaving after his sophomore year, age-wise. 
NBA sees, you know, the older you are, the more of a polished person you are, and you're going to be taken late. So if he was 18 coming out this year, um, it's plausible that he would go teens, early 20s. But because he's because he's he's a lot older than your normal freshman, um, you're going to see him taken towards the back end of the NBA draft. You're going to see him in a, in a role like Joe Ingles for the Utah Jazz, just a scorer, can score in, in bunches. only thing that Joe does that Iggy does not is uh, Joe defensively, Joe Ingles def- defensively is very, very good. Um, really good two-way player, really underrated two-way guy. Um, but Iggy's spot in the league is just going to be that six seven guy who's Athletic, high motor, and can spark the crowd and and uh, and get you some easy buckets. Um, Charles Charles is probably going to go in the fifties to undrafted. Um, he's had really good workouts. He's had really good workouts. Kevin Porter Jr. He's a first round draft pick. They were in a it was a workout down in San Antonio for the Spurs. And Charles and Kevin Porter matched up against each other in three-on-three. And uh, Charles, like, ate him alive defensively. Just ate him alive, couldn't get a shot off, you know, couldn't really get to his spots. Those are really good things. So there are comps for Charles in the NBA, which is perfect. Um, He's not going to come in and his job isn't to be a Steph Curry. His job is not to be a Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook. His job is to be like an Andre Roberson, um, a Bruce Brown from the Pistons. Not really, not really uh, focused offensively, as we know. You know, Charles is a defensive guy. It's pretty. It's still cruel that he wasn't uh, first team All Defense for the Big Ten, along with Simpson. But uh, he'll find his niche. I think that he has the best opportunity out of all three, actually. Because that position is so sought after. I would say, you know, just like defensive linemen and cornerbacks are prioritized in the in the NFL because the NFL is becoming such a such a pass first league, you need to have guys who are either gonna shut down the the uh, QB or shut down the wide receiver. Um the NBA is becoming quicker and quicker. More and more possessions every single year. Um, so guys like Charles will fit in cause he's athletically gifted in, enough to stay with the game. Um, and the best scores are your shooting guards and your, uh, wings. So guys like him are at a very high premium. Um, Andre Roberson comes to mind first. Um, you know, that dude, you know, not very good three point shooter, not very good free throw shooter. I think Charles is better in both. Um, but a very good defender, and that's why he still has a spot with the uh, Thunder, even though being out all year because he broke his kneecap. Um, pool pool is is gonna be is gonna be tough. He's six four, one one ninety five, two hundred pounds, six five. You know he's gonna really have to have a great summer. Um, he could find his way to a G League team. He could find his way to um, a two way contract. I think that's gonna be the the route that um, he needs to aim for. So like a lot like Duncan Robinson. 
of last year. Went undrafted, did really well during the summer. Uh, had a really great year G League wise. Um, started an NBA game, and um, he just signed for like three point three or three point four million um, a couple months ago. So I think he needs to be on the team as of like mid July or something to get that whole thing fully guaranteed. But I think he gets like one or one and a half mil up front though. So it's a positive for him. It's a huge positive. And um, so I think Poole can can uh, go that route. I thought out of the three of them, that was the best chance of coming of coming back. But if someone is that determined to go get paid and um, based off of their athletic ability, hey, go do it. But the last thing that you would want for Michigan is for someone to be on the team and they're, you know, one foot in, one foot out. You you want someone two feet in. So um, despite what happens, su- you know, support the guys. Don't be a troll. Don't be a jerk. Um, I know some of you guys want to because you guys are like, oh, you should listen to Just, you know, support your guys. Everyone has their goals, and not everyone gets there being a top-five pick. Um, you know, guys like Danny Green have spent a lot of time in the NBA, and they, you know, they weren't drafted high whatsoever. Um, Fred Van Vliet, I'm not even, even sure if he was drafted. He's a huge piece for the Toronto Raptors right now. So these three guys, as, you know, they could they could mesh and they can gel and all this stuff, but it's, it's really going to depend on um, which team drafts them. It's going to depend on how these teams use them. <coughs> if you look at a guy like Nick St- Nick Stauskas, when he was a freshman at Michigan, he was a spot-up guy, um, didn't really do much off the bounce. But then you see his second year, his sophomore year, he became a lottery pick. He was Big Ten Player of the Year, second-team All-American, um, because the ball was put in his hands, and he was scoring off the bounce. He was getting to his mid-range. He was scoring off the bounce from three. He was scoring at the rim. Um, he was creating for others. When he went to the NBA, you know he got he he was a lottery pick because of those because of his sophomore year, because of his ability to create off the dribble and off the bounce and score off the dribble and off the bounce. But then he gets on an NBA team that turns him back to a spot up shooter. That's not what made him really good his sophomore year. That's not what, you know, made him jump off the pages in terms of being an NBA prospect. So he wasn't used correctly. Um, Draymond Green. Draymond Green, when he was first with the Warriors, a lot of people don't know this, but um, he was used as a small forward. And if you and, and if you can search it up, um, he said that he was almost out of the league just because he wasn't used correctly. Like, imagine that. I mean, you're, you know, I say he's top 10 power forward ever, whatever you want to say, but very easily top 15, top 20 power forward to ever play the game. Um, you have someone like that who's now revered as that, and then... But in his first year or two, he could have been out of the league just because he was playing the wrong position. He was used incorrectly. So Charles, Iggy, and Poole, um, as much as they can show, you know, Poole can go from 
maybe there's two or three teams he can be drafted or he can be picked up on where he can look at being sixth man of the year in three or four, three or four years. There's also a couple teams out there where they don't give him a shot at all. So I'm praying for those guys. I hope they get to their best situation. And um and yeah, I hope they hope hope they do well. Draft is is in about two weeks. It should be an interesting night. Um changing gears now. Game of Thrones. So just finished Game of Thrones. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Took me about a month. I started like right around May 5th, 6th, 5th, 4th, somewhere around there. Um, really great series. I enjoyed it a lot. I know a lot of people weren't a fan of uh, season 8. Um, I see why. But it wasn't as bad as what people were uh, saying. I think uh, I do think it was a bit rushed. It was a bit rushed. <coughs> like, I do think that it could have gone even a full 10 episodes if they really wanted to, but they may have got a little lazy or budget. I don't know what it was, but um, they rushed it quite a bit. Um, that The battle with the Nightwalkers was really good. I enjoyed that a lot, man. It was, uh, it was good, but at the same time, I, I did have my issues. With, you know, especially like towards the end. Um, Daenerys, I mean, she was obsessed with the Seven Kingdoms and the Iron Throne throughout the entire show. My issue was, she doesn't seem like a person who would find out information about oh, she's in love with her nephew that she just found out, and they continue that relationship. Like, that doesn't that doesn't really match her character at all whatsoever. Um, and it was almost like she was turning into, like, a mini Cersei, um, doing the incest stuff, and then, and then being a... Uh, and then just going ham on in episode seven. Um... Which I I think she just snapped because her her homegirl got her head chopped off and last thing she said was Jakaris and I'm pretty sure that that means burn it up or something I don't know what that means fire it up or burn them up or burn everything so um she was turning into like a little mini Cersei's almost which was weird to me um because everything that she wasn't coming up. And her relationship with, like, Dario, that was super weird. She didn't seem like someone who would just hook up with anyone. I just didn't like the... I I didn't like that either. Then Dario just disappears and doesn't... It's just weird. Super weird. Dario's the, the guy with the super long hair at first. And then he killed the two guys and brought her the heads. Then they changed actors on us. And then I didn't realize that till like, the second or third time. He showed up. Dario and her hooking up just didn't make sense to me at all whatsoever. Um, the fact that Jon Snow was a Targaryen was like a huge deal. Like a huge, huge deal. But then like at the end, like didn't really matter 
Like, uh, so I, I don't, I don't know where they were, they were going with that. That was kind of weird. Um, I do love how Tyrion got out of literally everything, and it was like he would <laughs> betrayal. Oh, you're gonna be the hand of the king. No more betrayal. Now you're the hand of the queen. More betrayal. Now you're gonna be the hand again. Um. Love, I loved his character. Um, he's one of my top five characters. Tyrion was, um, because at the end of the day, like, he wasn't cruel. He loved his family. He was down to earth. He, he always was trying to do the right thing. The issue was he tried to please too many people. Um, and he thought that he can outsmart pretty much everything and pretty much, uh, out, you know, out talk himself or out talk whomever's in front of him to get you know to get two things that are not the same so i think his arrogance kind of played into you know why he kept quote unquote betraying but um my favorite scene was when Jamie let him out and Tyrion went and choked out Shay and then kill uh Tywin on the uh toilet. That was yo, that was like some Denzel Washington stuff. Um huge fan of him. <coughs> um the redheaded wilding dude, uh Tormund. That guy was hilarious. He was a strong MFer. That dude I I liked him a lot. Uh Brand of Tarth. Um I thought she was true to her character, pretty much the um the entire series, um, you know, she was someone else who didn't really waver, wasn't easily man- manipulated, um, loved her character. Um, probably my favorites, of course, are Arya and the Hound. Arya just loved her character development throughout the entire movie. Um, they did a really good job with her, and I think they they did a good job with her even after you know, the books ended. I think they they did a really good job with, you know, making her into this, like, this, like, perfect killer. Um, loved her character. Loved the Hound. And um, you could tell that the Hound loved Arya. Not in the terms of being, like, like, love, love. But, like, loved her, like, his little sister. Um, you know... Season 8, you know, I think it's episode 7, I believe, at this time. Episode 7, I believe. And, um, you know, the Hound's, like, walking into the castle, and then Arya's right behind him. And, you know, she wants to kill Cersei so bad. She, she doesn't even understand what's going on around her. And the Hound pretty much saves her life. And says, look, get out of here. Cersei's dead either way. Don't worry about it. And um, I just, their relationship was pretty dope. Um, Because it wasn't like your typical relationship. I just think that they understood each other so well without saying it. It was pretty cool. Um, So Arya, the Hound, Tyrion, Tormund, which is the wilding leader. And then Brienne. Um... Jon Snow's close. Um, I like the character development. He had a 
crazy roller coaster of a time. But Theon Greyjoy, I think that that dude was a great actor for that part. Uh, I mean, from the point where you know he was trying to do his own thing, he was trying to lead and got knocked back, and you know, he, you know, he was uh, that was a fine finish to him. I know he got killed by the Night King, which he didn't really need to lunge at the guy, knowing that Bran was right there. He should have waited till the Night King got closer to him. Um, but that was pretty much like a suicide mission. So, R.I.P. to him. Um, guy who, so I have a guy who deserved to, to die the most. I've been back and forth. So the two that come to mind right away uh, is Ramsey and Joffrey. <laughs> Joffrey's a little prick, but, you know, Ramsey was just straight evil. Um, like, whenever I get into these, you know, series and these TV shows, it's 100% a comedy. It's never this serious stuff with, like, death and war. Like, that stuff just doesn't, just doesn't get me. But, um, but with this show, like, it's almost like if I saw these guys walking out, you know, just being themselves, not being a character, I, I would be mad at them. Like, it's, it's like one of those things where, like, if I saw these dudes at, at like, you know, Applebee's, I'll be like, look, can we sit on the other side of the restaurant? I just don't feel comfortable. Um, Joffrey was indeed a jerk, but Ramsey was straight up evil. That dude was the most evil cat, I think, in the whole in the whole show. Like if we're good, like if we're to rank, it's gotta be like Ramsey is one, um, Joffrey is two, I would say Cersei is three in terms of just I don't know. Cersei might be above Joffrey, but the way that Cersei went about things was much more chill to me. Joffrey was just more of that in-your-face type of jerk stuff that just made you just cringy, uncomfortable. Like, like Cersei had that wildfire thing that, like, killed everyone. Like, do you... Ooh, man, she... I knew she was going to get revenge because of what they they uh, did to her, just made made her do that walk of shame and... They were throwing all that stuff at her and all that. I knew it was going to be something. I didn't know it was going to be that. I did not know it was going to be that. But I would say, I would still say Ramsey above Cersei. Um, after you listen to this, you know, make sure you comment so I can kind of see where you are. If I miss someone, let me know. But I have Ramsey first. I may have to go Cersei second, who deserved it to die the most. Joffrey third. I think Joffrey's third. Um, but by far, you know, those three, those dudes, whew, evil, 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 evil. Um, switching gears back to uh, Jawan's staff. Um, I did say this. I did say this um, back in May, about two weeks ago. I said, you know, when it came to Beeline, you know, one of the things that I did not care too much for 
was the fact that, you know, John would wait until June 15th. So if, if, if you don't know what June 15th is and the significance of it, um, college coaches can't formally offer you and call you to your face until June 15th at midnight. So in about 10 days, there's going to be a bunch of pros- prospects up like for like two hours from like midnight to like 2 a.m. getting calls from a bunch of coaches. So Calipari and Coach K and uh, all these all these guys, all these D1 guys are going to be calling in to these kids um, who are going from their sophomore to their junior year. So they've already completed their first two years. The June 15th, so that summer between sophomore and junior year, college coaches can call and formally offer. <coughs> so Beeline would, he would either do one of two things. If you were there for an unofficial already, so you know the campus, you've taken the tour and all that, he'll offer you right on June 15th. Or he will call you on June 15th and say, hey, I love your game. You haven't been to, to uh, campus yet. I'd love to have you for an unofficial, take an academic tour, and uh, we'll talk afterwards. Which then he would send the offer. Um, I didn't mind that practice. I mean, I didn't mind it, but I also didn't care for it. I didn't mind it because it worked. Um one Big Ten titles was a national contender. What else? You know, tournament is a is a crapshoot itself. But you were a national contender a majority of the last several years. You were a Big Ten title contender a majority of the last several years. You can really only control what you do. So it worked for him. For someone coming in who doesn't really know their philosophy, probably not going to work. So... I love the fact that Juwan went out there. Um, first big offer went out to Joshua Christopher. Joshua Christopher right now, I believe, is ranked number six on 24-7. Uh, number two shooting guard. It's a guy out of the West Coast. He's a good ball player. Um, super athletic, next level type of athlete. Um, I like it. He's never been to Ann Arbor. Um, but I do like that you know, Juwan did jump the gun and go out there and uh, extend that offer. Now, Michigan has a long way to go with with Christopher. I believe he already has his top five, which consists of Kansas, Georgetown, Arizona State, and a couple others. But um, but uh, I do like the fact that he did extend a big offer early, and he did that prior to all the, uh, you know, prior to an an actual visit. Um, just gonna talk about the the uh, new additions today. Uh, hopefully they keep Chris Hunter. Um, I do know that Saudi is going to stay on staff. Chris Hunter, uh, hopefully he stays on staff. I do know, know that he had a huge role when it came to Juwan's day. Um, not sure what he's going to be, whether it's a player personnel, whether it's going to be a director of basketball operations. Um, said it before, I would love for them to open up a special assistant to the head coach job. Um, if they do eliminate the player personnel position, put Chris Hunter 
as that special assistant to the head coach. <coughs> so Juwan has a lot less to worry about. Um, he has to learn so many things so fast. You know, you want to make this transition as seamless as possible. But the last thing you need him to do is to worry about too much, too too many things that don't deal with um, wins on the court. Um, which is like ninety percent of what the 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 team does, isn't you know you you don't even see like ninety five percent you don't even see, um the five percent is what people judge you on, but ninety five percent like you don't see Jawan you you don't see these head coaches having to go out there and talk to these boosters all the time, make all these appearances, um, call different people, uh, have different meetings with mentors and. You know, there's there's so much that goes into it. Work life balance as a college coach, it's a lot worse than an than an NBA coach. NBA coach, yeah, you have more games, but summertime, you're not worried about recruiting. All you're worried about is oh, who's coming in? Hey, let's get in the gym. So, um, I hope Jawan's ready for that piece. I really I really hope that he gets a special assistant just assigned to him. Um. Two hires that he brought in. Um, the hire from Ward Manual hiring Jawan Howard, I've said was like a C minus, just not qualified. Um, but I'm full support of him. Um, like imagine if he went to if he went to Kentucky, you know, he wouldn't be the coach of Michigan. Not a chance. Not a chance. He would not be the coach of Michigan if he played at Kentucky with his coaching resume. There is there is no chance he would be there. Um, but but um, he has done an A. I'll give him an A. I'll give him an A um, for his additions because a lot of because his additions are really going to help him. Um, are really really going to help him long term and it's gonna help him transition so much easier. Uh first is Martelli, as you guys know. Phil Mar- Phil Martelli, he's from the Pennsylvania, Philly, Jersey corridor. Uh he's been there forever. You know, thirty five years of college head coaching, twenty four as a head coach. He has experience, you know, taking a smaller school deep in the tournament a couple of times um AAU connections he's going to have connections to team final and the players club um out of Philly and, and New Jersey um pretty sure there was a there were a, there's been dozens of guys he's wanted to to uh, get but St. Joe's unfortunately just wasn't big enough for him to show up Pretty sure he still extended off offers and all that, but in terms of being taken seriously, probably did not. So now he walks in with the block M, with the Michigan, with the with the Jordan gear, and he walks in there with Jawan Howard. It's, it's a little different. It's a little different than walking in there with St. Joe's gear on. Um, now he'll have a shot to get those kids from the Northeast who are really freaking good, tough. Tough as nails, guys. Um, I'm really excited about him in terms of mentoring, um, in terms of making sure 
Um, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. I think Martelli is going to be, you know, really good with the little things. He's not one of these guys who's who's coming from this this huge program, this huge school. Uh, he's had to grind. You know, nothing was given him easy at St. Joe's. Uh, he's had to grind, and that's what Juwan needs. So that's a that's a that is an A A plus hire right there. Um, next guy, Howard Isley. Um, he went to Detroit Southwestern, played with Jalen Rose, 12-year NBA career, uh, assistant coach for the Clippers, Wizards, and the Knicks. Um, he, I believe he has a connection with World Wide West. I saw some people talking about it. Um, but if you, if, if you don't know who World Wide West is, um, how can I put this? So... World Wide West is a huge cultural influencer. Um, his name is William Wesley. He is a he's like a consultant, big influencer. Put it this way: Coach Cal one time said. If you need to ask someone who World Wide West is, you've automatically excommunicated out like 12 of the top 20 kids in the country, just like that. Uh, You need to know who he is. You need to have good rapport with him. Uh, He needs to trust you. (coughs) Howard Isley, I believe, has that connection. He's been in... He's been in New York for the past for the past three years or so. Um, that connection is much much needed. Martelli and Isley, that's huge. That's going to be so big, so so big. The last thing we need to do is you know really take a step back and see, um, you know, can they gel? Because just like a team. Just like a team of misfits, you have all these. You have these four coaches. You have Juwan, you can have Sadi, Martelli, Isley, all four pretty much with different backgrounds. The closest background is going to be Isley and Juwan, just because they were assistant coaches in the uh, NBA, but they've never coached together. So to have four different ideas come together, it needs to make sense. Um, there can't be any type of mutiny. There can't be any type of dissension. Um, I just hope that they have great coaching chemistry because not everyone can coach together because there's so many different ideas out there. If you throw out an idea, it gets shut down. You are going to be like, okay, well, let's see if yours works. Like you don't, you don't need that. You don't need that. It needs to be more of a teamwork type of deal. They've never worked together. They're all very accomplished. Uh, I just hope they could put their egos aside for the greater good. Playing style, uh, I've been going back and forth about how they're going to play for the longest time. Um, I don't know. When it comes to Juwan Howard and Isley, these are NBA guys, so you would think that they're going to play a little bit faster. 
24 seconds shot clock. Um, if you look at Martelli St. Joe's teams, you know, last year they were 215th when it came to pace in the country. Michigan was 341st. So a little bit, little bit quicker, but Martelli's team was third lowest in turnovers. So they committed the third lowest turnovers nationally, average per game. Really impressive. Usually when you have lower turnovers, um, you struggle scoring the ball is one, or um, you slow down the game to have less possessions. Um, Jawan is coming from a Miami Heat team who was towards the bottom of the half, towards the bottom half of the league in pace, but they got a little bit quicker every single year. So five years ago, they had about 94 possessions per game. Four years ago, they were at 97 possessions. Three years ago, they are at 99 possessions. Uh, two years ago, they were at 100 possessions. This past year, almost 102 possessions. So over five years, they've increased their pace of play by about eight. Um, if you were to take that 101.7, what they just did this past year, they would have been like in the top third a few years ago. But the game is changing because guys like Steph have come in, Dame have come in, saying that you need to play faster. It's not about being big and bulky. It's about skill. It's about can you shoot the ball. So hopefully that you know that style of play, I, I really hope Michigan plays a bit faster because I think they have the athletes too. Um, Miami, their defensive rating over the last three years, they were sixth three years ago. Then they were eighth. Then they were seventh. All of the NBA. So they had a high defensive rating. Howard was the defensive guy for that. So I think defensively they'll be they'll be okay. They'll be okay defensively. Um, I want them to score the ball. Like I want them to score the ball. I think they have the ability to. I think they could play a bit faster now. Martelli's been doing this for 35 years. If he thinks that we're not talented enough, he's going to plug in Juwan's ear and, and tell him, we need to slow the game down, play less possessions, play this like a defensive game. Um, if you see that they play a little bit slower, like I'm talking about below 240, 250 nationally, then you know that they feel that they're not good enough to outscore teams and play defense. They they think that they need to rest all of their confidence into their defense, slow the game down, have less possessions. Um, should be interesting. I can't wait. Uh, that's all I got for you guys today. No mailbag, unfortunately. Not feeling the best, but it's been a while since I put out some uh, content here. Um, you can find me on Spotify. You can find me on iTunes. Um, you know, my Twitter, it's at right. Holler at me there. Per usual, if you have any type of, uh, if you have any type of, uh, constructive criticism, please let me know. And I will consider it for later episodes. If you have any ideas for later episodes, please let me know. Cause I will be glad to incorporate some of that. Uh, if you have any ideas for a show, 
that would also be great. But thank you for tuning in. Uh, you guys are great. Thank you. Please like, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. Um, I do this because I like doing it as one. But if you guys like listening, uh, it makes me just want to do it even more. So thank you guys once again for listening. And uh, how at your boy. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet Essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.